I V M. Hi, we're Team Splainer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Press Decode, a weekly podcast where we take Splainer's mission to declutter the news one step further. Check out our newsletter for more stories and follow us at SplainerIn to keep up with all the fun things we plan for our Splainer fam. So sit back, relax, and don't let the news give you the blues. I'm Adya, and I have with me. Vagda, Prafula, and Sara. Take it away, Vagda. Hi, I'm Vagda. I'm a proud cancelist. of the hustle culture hi i'm prafula grace resident grump and self professed old person mentally i'm yelling at these kids to get off my lawn wow <laughs> someone's finally here to take that claim to be the in house grumps anyway i'm sara some say i'm funny some others would argue i am the joke i guess you guys can listen in and decide for yourselves sara i do think there can be two resident grumps so i don't think that's <laughs> off your plate yet i'm adya your host for the day Currently juggling adulting and studying and definitely hitting new highs with my cooking every week. For real though, like aloo pyaaz sandwich for breakfast is my highest so far and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> anyway, we have three segments for you today. In our big story, we will be discussing the latest hunt involving a 13-year-old tiger named MDT23 who has been suspected of killing four people. Wildlife activists are unhappy about the hunt and the Madras High Court stepped in to pr- help preserve its life. What's really going on? In our food for thought segment, we will be talking about loud grannies in public spaces in China whose dancing has led to great irritation among neighbors who want to put a stop to it. Finally, we will be roasting and toasting our fave and least fave items. And that's like four more pieces of news for you to show off about knowing, so you might as well stick around. <laughs> All right, let's begin with our big story. So as mentioned earlier, there is a 13-year-old tiger called MDT23 on the loose being chased by forest officials as it is suspected of killing four human beings, the latest being a tribal man on October 1st. On Tuesday, it was caught on camera and forest officials threw a dart at it, but it escaped. Originally part of the Mudumalai Forest Reserve in Tamil Nadu, it seems to now have left the reserve wandering on the outskirts. the field director of the forest range suspects it was driven out of the reserve due to a territorial dispute except there's no real proof of the tiger having killed those human beings the hunt order issued by the tamil nadu chief wildlife warden is based on assumptions even if the tiger did kill the tribals it indicates a failure on the part of the forestry department which is bound by law to manage human animal conflicts And lastly, Article Twenty One of the Constitution of India states that animals have the right to life as well. The reason I'm stating these facts is that even though there is no intent to kill so far by forest officials, and the Madras High Court has clearly stated in its order that life must be preserved, there is worry that it may turn into a similar case as that of Avni, a tiger suspected of killing 13 people in 2018. She was shot down in a messy encounter, and later post-mortem reports showed. no human remains in her system so the supreme court has now demanded more proof of her being a human killer which is kind of too little too late even so some ecologists claim that it may be better to kill the tiger than relocate it to another part of the reserve as that move could prove fatal in terms of territorial disputes yet again with other tigers and of course moving it to a zoo would be very cruel also i read that ironically conservation efforts got us here i mean On the outside it sounds great but like our numbers are up but I really want more details so Sara will you start us off 
Okay, so even though when you point it out, it does sort of make sense. The most mind-boggling reason of why we're here is the massive boom in tiger numbers. Our conservation efforts have worked spectacularly. According to a 2018 census, there were 2,967 tigers in India. That's more than double the number in 2006. And 65% of these live in forest reserves, which are now we have 50 uh, forest reserves in the country up from just nine in 1973. But the fact is, tigers need a lot of territory to free, like feed freely and without any to exist without conflict, either with humans or with other tigers. Currently, India's tiger reserves are completely saturated, considering we house about 70% of the world's tigers. And thus, now the task at hand is, like in terms of tiger conservation, is not how to increase numbers, but to better manage the abundant tigers that already exist. According to the National Tiger Conservation Authority, currently India can have only a maximum of 3,000 tigers. So unless tiger habitats are created, there is no point in increasing numbers. We're only going to... Wait one second. So 2018 census, we already reached almost like our peak. Yes. So it's it's only going to get worse from here in terms of human-animal conflict. Mm. Unless our forest reserves actually grow. So a veteran biologist called A.K. Ullas Karanth takes an even more controversial take on these conservation efforts. He basically calls it a misnomer and instead terms the exercise an artificial, excessive and frankly misguided manipulation of vegetation and water, which has led to the increase in prey densities. And as a result, the numbers of tigers have reached unnaturally high levels. Unnaturally high. Yes. And he is a biologist who like specializes in tigers. Okay. Uh, he says, and I quote, we're turning our tiger habitats into Disneyland's. And the ignorant <laughs> tourists think that this is a great idea. <laughs> There's so much Disneyland comparison when happening recently. That's <laughs> true. Jaliawala Bagh to tiger conservation. Clearly, Whoa. this country is an amusement park with all the shit it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good I mean we we don't have Lalini uh, today but the analysis is on point <laughs> I'm filling in for her yes uh, amen so a major fear like I said is that 65% of the country's tiger population live in just 50 forest reserves that we have and this spans about 71,027 square kilometers but of this whole area only 40,340 square kilometers is what they term co-tiger habitat. The rest of it is buffer forests. And these buffer forests are actually very important to keep distance between human settlements and tiger habitats. But as the numbers swell up, the tigers will go into the buffer zones and we're left with cases like those of Avni and MDT-23. So the numbers are now up and this is clearly both good and bad because we've basically brought them back from extinction. But I'm going to be that person and ask, do we really have the right numbers? Because I do understand that there are methods that have been developed over the years and so on. But fudging the numbers, whether intentionally or by error, is not all that new in this country, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, do you want to, would you like to? Uh, we should have you more often, Professor. I love this. I love the energy you bring here. <laughs> Co-grumps, as I said before. 
So it's been said that uh, India has seen a 33% jump in the overall population and that we're the safest habitat in the world for tigers and that the forest cover has drastically improved. And some undue credit has also been given here and there, but that's not what we're talking about right now. But if we actually listen to the experts, they have some very real concerns. So originally, when we were tracking tigers, we used to track them with something called the Pugmark method, where you're effectively just tracking the animal using the prints on the ground. And obviously, this is not going to be the most effective method. Uh, and we abandoned this method for the tiger census after 2004. Oh, my God. I'm glad that this has been abandoned because I want to say like how many safaris I have been on and tried to locate a tiger with it's a really frustrating exercise and I cannot believe that this was the official method of finding out how many tigers there are I'm convinced some reserves are just randomly making marks before every <laughs> just call me out but I'm convinced yes I've considered that you know for the first time i do agree with you i i i think i have the worst luck on like i have the worst luck on safaris no sir what happened in 2004 how can we change the method i'm so glad you asked because this method actually failed to detect that there was a complete extinction of tigers in the sariska reserve oh my what if you can believe that i am from the sariska area reserve thing (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no wonder you can't see anything. Every time you go to Sariska, I think the last time I went to Sariska and I did not see a tiger, obviously. But there was an enclosure, like a grilled enclosure in which there was one tiger. Like, I think he was injured or something and that's why he was in that enclosure. So until he recovered, he wouldn't have been moved out of that enclosure. But that makes oh my god makes a lot of sense. I feel like they use these enclosures as, you know, to say, oh yeah, we have tigers, you just can't see them. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. So now we're using this thing called a double sample method, and which uses, and I'm quoting, ground surveys of all tiger habitats, estimating prey abundance, understanding habitat characteristics, mapping other tiger signs and camera trap pictures of tigers. I don't know what mapping other tiger signs means, but this is still a little better than just using pug marks because pug marks are now correlated to the pictures that we're taking of the tigers in small regions so that we now have a better guesstimate in the overall region. And also, I'm generally not a fan of numbers, but stats are very misleading by nature. For example, between 2006 and 2014, tiger habitats went down by 22%, but the cat population grew by 16% somehow. What? So it goes, yeah. So it goes without saying that you can't actually, Mm. you know, number each tiger to the decimal point. But scientists are telling us that we need to at least take the statistics with a pinch of salt or, you know, context mm. that makes a lot of sense yeah. and the government i think the government can use these guidelines also. <laughs> <laughs> always always hating <laughs> and we always. are the grumps sure <laughs> <laughs> so, so we don't know if the numbers are true but we know the predominant narrative to conserve biodiversity is established by a policymaker sitting in some big city far away from the subjects of the policy that is the forest dwellers and the animals concerned don't get me wrong i mean it's all with like good intention and in the 70s when the threat of tiger extinction loomed large all the attention was given to establishing special reserves with the highest of restrictions we were making special tiger corridors we have tiger celebs remember machli 
Machli? Like fish. No, Machli was a was a tiger queen of Ranthambore. She was literally when she died in 2016, Indian Express ran like a middle, the centerpiece, the whole two pages devoted to her and her life. She's a celeb, guys. Look her up. Yeah, it's a very big deal. I remember wow. that center spread. Yeah. I mean, it's a tiger called Machli. I see it. <laughs> she was a big deal. So the point is that we made such like tiger reserves, special reserves. We may, we have celebrities and tigers. There's so much attention to it. All of which is intended to bring up our mm-hmm. numbers. Mm-hmm. And it did apparently or not. We don't know. But at what cost, right? National yeah. parks and all these conservation areas were established and are managed largely in disregard for historical, cultural and socioeconomic realities of the forest dwellers. And research mm-hmm. demonstrates that the human cost involved in conservation is largely ignored. It's now we know, you know, with yeah. an animal conflict. According to one study mm-hmm. of 26 areas in India between 1999 to 2020, India displaced 13,445 families. And that's just dislocation. Obviously, dislocation is coming without consent, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not asking the tribals whether you want to move. You just have to move. Mm-hmm. And that's just dislocation. Then there's hu- loss of human life and livestock. But what is truly the cause of human-animal conflict? And like Sarah said, the area for our reserves, even right now, I mean, compared, we're already at limit. We, we can't possibly have more tigers. And even the ones that we have now, according to a conservationist at the Wildlife Conservation Trust in Mumbai, there are national parks are average like 1,000 square kilometers which is like 50 kilometers by 20 kilometers. And a tiger can walk 20 kilometers in a night and cross from one edge to the other. So that explains so much. Obviously, there's going to be mm. human-animal conflict. I mean, yes, you've created this reserve, but how big is the reserve? And tigers need a lot of territory. So now they have smaller habitat and where will they go if not beyond the reserve? So there you have it. Yeah. Well, on that note... We come to the end of this segment. We will be back after a short break. You are listening to Press Decode on the IVM Podcasts Network. Hello and welcome back to Press Decode on the IVM Podcasts Network. We're Team Splainer and make sure you follow us at Splainerin on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the Splainer fam. We're now ready for some food for thought. This one is especially fun. So all over China's public squares and gardens, middle-aged and older women gather and get their groove on to loud music. Sounds adorably fun, right? Well, not to people around who want some peace and quiet. But just like we could never tell our Padoswali aunties to be quieter when gossiping about Sharma ji ki do do bete, there's no way for people around to tell these grannies to turn it down either. How do you do it? Well, you resort to technology, of course. And that's what they did. The latest weapon in this war, as the tabloids seem to report, is a remote stun gun style device that claims to be able to disable a speaker from 50 meters away. According to The Guardian, the reviews are great. But how great is it for the women who are silently being displaced from places meant to be for public news? Is it a generational thing? And how has a neighborhood problem of aunties led to a literal new tech development? I have too many questions, you guys. But Vagda, I know your fave bit is a generation gap considering. I mean, uh, let's no. just get us started. Oh. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> Here's some food for thought. Yeah, that is a resident grump. 
guest resident grump <laughs> okay so when i first got to know about the story i imagined kids playing gully cricket hmm? or uncle ji is laughing for their health in the neighborhood park oh god right? yeah oh god <laughs> smashing windows with gully cricket and still we no one made a device to disable that like i don't understand that. guys this is a huge thing granny's dancing in public spaces in china is called square dancing it has a very organized setup people have like very organized groups in which they like donate not donate but like contribute money and that 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 money is used by the organizer for like all kinds of logistical music speakers and stuff like that so i mean i what i mean by saying this is this that it's very very organized estimates say that there are 100 million dancing grannies in china wow <laughs> dancing grannies it's a thing <laughs> that That's the so practice cool. has been around for millennia apparently square dancing can be found in ancient chinese history also and in the modern day it has it was popularized among women during the cultural revolution with folk dances performed as propaganda then there are older reports from new york times that found some group in beijing dancing every night wearing military uniforms and using toy guns as props to songs of the revolution era like without the communist party there would be no new china of course that's slightly disturbing but yeah it became popular as a hobby in the 1990s as women retired and moved to cities and now that their grown up children are not around this is a good way for them to socialize and also to keep fit and the chinese government also likes it i mean they kind of like encourage it that people should stay fit and just blossom into this great wonderful thing that keeps people healthy and happy but the level of the hobby has reached such heights that people complain it's gotten out of control with competing <laughs> groups you know blasting their music over each other and bullying people who come and intervene to stop doing the dancing and the and the stop the music because it's too loud but can you imagine trying to intervene going to a group of laughing uncle jis tell them to shut up and let you sleep in peace Uh, this question is not to you guys this question is actually to the listener hey cuz we start work at 7 am we don't get to sleep anyway <laughs> <laughs> welcome to journalism <laughs> but square dancing has been mired in controversy for years over noise pollution the young largely view it as a generational issue who think that most of the dancing grannies are the products of the red guard era and that they don't respect society or the environment and the guardian uh, that adya spoke about has reports of groups arguing and fighting with basketball players to take over their court and dance there and in one case they broke into a football field and stopped the game to dance in the space <laughs> oh my god that led to like police response like uh, some arrests and stuff happened Tianjin city has regulations that empower the police to impose fines on the groups if their music is too loud. Wow. <laughs> I mean that's the level of the hobby. It's so organized that cities have regulations on which group can have how much decibel of music. Hamare yahan pe shaadi hoti hai na sham ko. 10:30 baje ka rule hota hai ki 10:30 baje ke baad no noise pollution. But that's what happens? Non- that's not a rule Just that's followed. That rules are meant to be broken work though. <laughs> oh my god it's 7th grade sara <laughs> i think the the it's established that sara is not a good influence there we wow. go 
<laughs> okay then point is that if the dancing grannies don't dance outside in squares where else do they dance someone came up with a better solution last year and gave them all bluetooth headphones okay that is definitely one solution vibes vibes though i find these siren disco clubbing thingies very weird like i think people are tripping when i see them dance but i i, I get it yeah it sounds wild like i don't know if i would enjoy that i would need everyone to hear the same music that i'm listening to and you know i mean they probably are that's how technology works in camp guys <laughs> like you dance together you sing together you scream together you know right okay i like the noise just saying <laughs> but i think the whole story actually got me thinking about how community spaces actually worked in china and i wasn't surprised in the least about what i found out Basically there was rapid urban development in the country that led to a lot of the older neighborhoods the kinds that allowed for a sense of community to be raised down to make way for massive high rise apartments that were just not conducive to an informal community and add to this culturally very similar to india even chinese families tend to avoid sending the elderly to nursing homes or old age homes so they end up in urban centers with the younger and often busier generation and these older people just find themselves stuck in the city lacking the intimacy and familiarity that they were used to so well they went and found themselves a solution in bringing back the culture of square dancing and in doing so they honestly just exercising a very basic right to use public spaces it has come to become a low cost way for them to both socialize and stay fit okay i get it has gone too far but again how do you decide who uses public spaces like for anyone who's still mad at them they really need to redirect their annoyance towards the severe lack of public amenities for the elderly that's true i mean that football field yeah. exists for who right for you you yeah. have a football field you presume exactly. that young 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 people will play football but why don't you assume that dancing grannies will dance exactly yeah. and mm. all this is despite the fact that china's population is aging rapidly By 2030 there will be an estimated 360 million Chinese over the age of 60 and yet the government is still to provide the old with appropriate public sports or leisure facilities. Mm. Okay don't mm. get me wrong again concerns about noise and disruption to neighbors are not widely incorrect but they should be dealt with modest regulations like i don't know having timings for square dancing or not allowing it to happen during exams or whatever or like certain times but other than that this whole story is really a slap in the face of urban planners who don't actually make the city accessible to the elderly in a way that the elderly need not in the way that looks good mm. yeah yeah agreed and also this you know pseudo cultural war between the old and the young has reached a point where these people like the elderly get downright disgusting things thrown at them like stinky tofu and even feces at some point oh my god oh, that's yeah. not okay that's actually want to come in here there was one report that i remember reading someone actually opened fire on them and hurt a granny in her like what? leg because he was additionally oh angry God. because i think he asked his car got stuck or something and he said can you help me they said no we're dancing so then he just flipped yeah so i that you made my point for me basically that there's a fair amount of entitlement on both sides but you know there has to be a better way a less hostile way around this mess like you can't open mm. fire on people and you can't throw feces at people we're not monkeys yeah. Yeah. all this to say older people do need to you know embrace the headphone life It is high time. Yes, yes. I don't. I wouldn't embrace the headphone life, though. So I mean, do you play WhatsApp 
videos out loud so your entire apartment can hear i don't no i'm too embarrassed to exactly. do that i would never do that <laughs> oh my god the last time i traveled in a train there was so many elder people with their whatsapp videos playing out loud oh i miss the delhi metro and bombay local i was just about to say delhi metro all the memories that i have yeah. all the everything i love I the heard. confidence that these people have that my videos need to be heard by everyone around me <laughs> and i'm like please don't listen to my music i love it I love it because I don't have to go through it but mm. Mm. oh to live in the west <laughs> <laughs> but it's come to this point where someone has gone and actually developed tech to stop this practice and this blows my mind uh, it's being called a stunt mm. gun for speakers and you know me being me I tried to go on the Taobao website it took ages to load but I did end up finding a picture it does not look like a stunt gun unfortunately It looks like a flashlight, uh, but uh, what? So yeah, disappointing! So disappointing! <laughs> so cool it been, but uh, honestly, it's so disturbing that so much time and thought and money has been put into the uh, into you know sitting down ideating and manufacturing this, and the fact that the demand is so large. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. I mean. it's more disturbing than it is funny because as amusing as the thought of switching off some randos music like in the metro or something from a few feet away is the humanity's term for it i am calling it is being dickish <laughs> the hum- uh-huh. correct okay. humanity yeah the correct Very, humanity yeah. term <laughs> <laughs> yes I no but i really think we could use this stun gun for like rallies like political rallies in india just 50 feet away turn up the speakers <laughs> very good idea here my solution to avoiding this or you know if you really want to stun somebody in public you just air drop them a meme they will never understand from a corner of the internet that is so niche and then they just, they'll just have it on their phone no What people is- people do not do this air dropping tricks <laughs> i've heard of like other things being air dropped that do not should never be air dropped like uh, mm-hmm. vulgar p- images okay. moving on swiftly yes from men that changed rapidly deteriorated okay. rapidly sorry <laughs> so i think my problem with uh, you know tech like this is that it often evolves into or inspires something so much more sinister because if you look at like anti homeless infrastructure uh, all this hostile architecture uses technology and the environment to its advantage yeah um and it's always come from you know some really clever invention uh to then affect people that rely on public spaces more than others do and uh, yeah. some people may think i'm reaching for straws here but what this device and you know anti homeless infrastructure have in common is the focus on preserving certain elements of you know a certain place like the aesthetics or you know peace and quiet in this in say societies with high rise buildings um mm-hmm. but all this comes at the expense of someone else's dignity because imagine that you're spending time in public spaces and someone just you know turns your music off or kicks you out essentially and mm-hmm. what what's ironic is that when you know these stupid flash mobs stop traffic or you know these annoying influencers do something crazy in public they're not you know forcibly kicked out but they're asked to shut up and leave the point is even though they're being asked to leave i mean they're being told to leave they're being asked and instead of you know shutting mm. off their music randomly and then yeah. saying okay get out mm. yeah much more disrespectful mm. this way yeah 
So dancing grannies for the win. Please continue dancing. <laughs> I feel like they'll dance anyway. On that fun note, <laughs> we come to the end of our second segment. We will be right back after a short break. You are listening to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. Welcome back to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. It's time for our final segment this week. roast or toast who wants to start okay so since i said i'm the resident grump i feel like i have to you know live up to it now so i'm going to be a hater beautiful yes welcome to the club so my least favorite for this week is dave chapel and his transphobia oh god i'm pretty sure we've heard about it uh, everyone's so, least fave yeah dbh I like to describe his brand of comedy this way. He has inspired many edgy comedy bros. The, oh God! The worst. Yes. Uh, so anyway, in his newest special, which is about his fourth or fifth, uh, he goes on a rant about so-called cancel culture, and then proceeds to call himself Team Turf, which yuck. So yuck. I mean. there it there is being trans transphobic and there is taking pride in being transphobic which mm. super weird the entitlement to be able to do that though oh yeah so much confidence also to then rant about oh you know i'm exactly. going to get cancelled after this yeah no shit you should you should have been cancelled mm. years ago probably and yet we are here and now he's using language that is super harmful especially for you know anybody who identifies as trans gender non confirming or non binary or just you know queer folks overall also so you yeah. know a couple of netflix employees spoke up against the special saying you know we can't do anything about it but we as netflix were launching it we are not happy about it and here's the kicker one of the employees so a couple of employees were suspended earlier this week and one of the employees who was suspended identifies as trans and queer oh, i did not know which adds insult to injury of yeah of course she is uh, out as trans and very vocal about it and saying that hey this hurts my community and getting suspended for it just is horrible and obviously yeah, netflix has gone on to you know deny suspending anybody for talking about the talking bad about the special because you know of course they did and the <laughs> co ceo of uh, Co-CEO of the company spoke to employees in the meeting, and he spoke about how they're not going to take it down, take the special down because Chappelle's comedy pushes boundaries, and how it's uh, his specials have won so many awards. It's one of their most awarded things on the platform, apparently. And he even spoke about giving artists creative freedom, to which uh, somebody on Twitter brought this to my notice. uh where was this creative freedom when they pulled an episode of hasan minhaj's uh, patriot act because the saudi government asked netflix to pretty please remove it they removed it without any pushback yeah yeah I, okay uh i have too many thoughts on this and <laughs> i am very upset by this mm. i'm going to completely anyway. change the tone sorry not sorry <laughs> but this is a really stupid least fave item but allow me to explain myself Basically, there were lots of reports in the UK that Russian spies stole the blueprint for the AstraZeneca vaccine and used it to create their own Sputnik V jab. The story was literally everywhere, and I was so invested in the drama that would come out of it. Alas, Gizmodo pointed out that the original source was a single piece in the Sun, a tabloid for those of you who don't know, which cites 
unnamed security services <laughs> mm, reminds me of indian journalism and its everlasting love affair with government sources unnamed government sources <laughs> oof <laughs> juicier <laughs> Anyway, Gizmodo also very rightly points out that well, even if the Russians stole the blueprint, it was to make a vaccine to end a once in a century pandemic. Yep, so mostly a story with no real point, but man, I don't like this only because can you imagine the sheer amount of global political bickering we could have witnessed if this was real? <laughs> we really with the loser. Yeah, you really out. missed it, Sara. <laughs> we missed out. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to change the tone around 180 degrees to favorite items. My favorite item this week is very basic for topical and very obvious reasons. It is that the UK is finally accepting Covid shield, not like it shouldn't have accepted it months ago because it literally came from AstraZeneca <laughs> which is like oh, I'm so annoyed. Anyway, this is coming from such a personal space. <laughs> not at all. I'm very objective. Yeah, okay. No more quarantining when I'm back from chutti. Also you guys can visit now because tourist visa. So I really think it's a win-win all around. Yes, it was the vaccine that was stopping me. <laughs> it was the quarantining and the va- yes. Sara, my point is I'm inviting you. Oh my god, you just <laughs> do not call yourself not a grump because it's all I see. Okay, so this one is not a new not news per se, but uh, it, because it's a bit of history from the smart and curious section of the explainer on Wednesday, but it was news to me. So, did you know that Lakme, the brand, was a brainchild of Jawaharlal Nehru? What? Oh my god. He thought women didn't have many options in Indian cosmetics and they spent too much on foreign cosmetics and we were losing money. <gasps> drain of wealth make in India before make in India (laughs) oh my god someone's not going to be happy about this comparison (laughs) (laughs) it was obviously a man who thought oh you know the women are spending too much on makeup oh but he's like (laughs) there we go yeah that's damn this was my fave item yeah <laughs> but anyway, so he thought women didn't have many options in cosmetics and like uh, collaborated with a French um, company. And so the name Lakme also is apparently French for Lakshmi. What? Wow. This gets wilder by the second. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It was inspired by apparently a famous opera of this name, Lakme. And that's why it's called Lakme. I love this story. I'm thinking about calling every oh. Lakshmi Lakme. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Thinking about it. Okay. And that was our show this week. Thank you so much for joining us on Press Decode. You can catch us every Thursday on the IVM Podcast Network. And guys, please remember, don't let the news give you the blues.